evening, everybody. Um, for those of you who've never met a real schnook before, my name's Fred Schnook. Believe it or not, some of us actually get stuck with tags like this. Um, I really want to thank um, City Alder David Ahrens, who also sits on uh, the Community Action Coalition for South Central Wisconsin's Board of Directors um, at getting us an opportunity to just kind of tell you a little bit about our organization and some of the work we're doing. So that's our, our, our total purpose tonight, is just to let you know a little bit about CAC. Um, I'm fairly new to the organization. I've been on board about a, about a year and a half. And um, as I've been going around the community introducing myself, the consistent message I'm getting is, what CAC? Um, uh, a lot of folks haven't heard of us. You know, as most other small nonprofits, we don't have a huge advertising budget, so um, this is really an opportunity just to get the word out. With me is Rachel Kaiser. Rachel is our um, um, coordinated intake um, supervisor. She works with a lot of our housing programs, and she'll also be co-presenting with me. You have before you um, kind of our PowerPoint slides and a copy of our annual report. Um, What's the CAC? We began in 66, so this year is our 50th year, um, and we'll be celebrating that um, in May of this year when we hold our annual meeting. In 92, our name was changed uh, to its current name when we expanded beyond Dane County and also um, um, incorporated Jefferson County and Waukesha County. To most people, however, we're just known as the CAC, um, Community Action Coalition for South Central Wisconsin's a mouthful. Um, the other thing is we have a very diverse um, population in those three counties, uh, in a whole lot of ways, between Waukesha, Jefferson, and Dade. Um, and diverse services, diverse in uh, the population, diverse in the money that's uh, available there. The CAC provides a variety of services to the community at no cost, and that part's really important. We do not charge for any of our services in order to improve the quality of life for those most in need. Our mission statement, developing the economic social capacities of individuals, families, and communities in our three-county area. Okay, so pretty broad mission statement, but really looking at how do we develop people, families, and communities as a whole to reduce poverty in our three counties. Our purpose um, is to assist low-income people um, in our three counties with food, shelter, and clothing is primarily what we offer. Um, emergency services to people. Uh, we offer case management services, um, which we've been working on and trying to expand um, to develop and plan to move people into the middle class. That's a way we can be really, really successful. If we give someone groceries for a week or a month, that's a really good thing. It helps them out. But to really move them into the middle class requires case management services so we can track. We offer education and training services that we serve, we serve as a referral source to all other community services. Who we serve. At CAC, we manage over 30 different grants. And um, you know, just kind of like the city or other nonprofits, our funding is patched together like lights on a Christmas tree. So we have different grants that serve different people. So we have you know, families, individuals, veterans. Uh, HIV and AIDS um, diagnosis, victims of domestic violence in the community. And the grants you, you really do have to patch together. So, for instance, one of the grants we have really helps veterans very well. There's a lot of grants out there right now for veterans, but there aren't a lot of grants for veterans' families. So we see a lot of folks, particularly veterans, um, who are homeless, but it's very, very difficult. They can get services to get themselves housed, but how do we house their families? So, and most of these grants are like that. You have to patch together several grants 
in order to meet the needs in the community. The service is food distribution. We are not a food pantry, we are a food bank. Okay? We provide food to approximately 70 food pantries, shelters, and meal sites throughout the community, uh, throughout these three county areas. We provide it at no cost. Housing, eviction prevention, homelessness programs through case management, financial assistance and education. Um, we offer community advocacy and collaboration with landlords, service providers, volunteers, and other stakeholders to help people um, find decent and affordable housing. Finally, clothing. We have a clothing pantry where we offer clothing to people absolutely free, and then annually we do a big Coats for Kids drive where we give out warm coats um, to you know, young people and adults in the community, keep them warm. One of the services is navigating the system. We provide information and referral. Um, to people. So people will call with all kind of questions and we try to refer them to the right place. Because um, we, don't, we don't provide everything. I mean, we really focus on our four areas, food, shelter, clothing, and case management. Um, but other services will refer to other folks that are most appropriate. We field thousands of calls for people seeking assistance. I believe last year was about 20,000 calls that we received. Uh, we personally assist people in finding solutions to their housing, budgeting, and employment problems. With regard to case management, a um, little bit, we're um, embedded in Joining for Forces Family sites, which are spread throughout the county. So we're actually providing those services um, in the neighborhoods where people live. Building Bridges program, family self-sufficiency program, uh, supportive services to veterans' family, and trying to help people with transit for jobs. And again, that's different in every one of our counties. In, in Dane County, um, for those who are within the city, it's primarily bus passes. When you get to Jefferson County, there is no bus service. So you really have to try to find the best ways of reaching people. Sir, yes, sir. Michael? Um, it's really um, a area. I don't yeah. know too much about building bridges, but it's basically... Um, I um, it's, it's case management services. I believe that Building Bridges works with um, families as well. Yeah. And is that Jan? No, family self-sufficiency is Jan. Family self-sufficiency. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't oversee every program at CAC. Um, so Building Bridges is just going out, trying to connect people with services, and then on, long-term ongoing case management to make sure that the support, financial support that they're given um, is handled appropriately by by the person receiving it going forward. So they kind of manage that person as well as the assistance they receive to make sure that it's actually useful and that you're not just giving a person kind of a one-time Band-Aid and then as soon as that money's gone, the person is right back in the same position that they started in. Who's, who's giving them? Who funds building bridges? Are you saying what, the money is used properly or something? Yeah. Who's giving them the money? Well, we'll provide them with, with housing and case management, okay? But it's long-term case management, which is really important to us with regard to building bridges because we not only work with the individuals, but we can work with the families and actually give them a plan to get them into the middle class with actionable steps that we work through. Many of the other housing programs that we have are episodic, right? So we'll provide someone with... Um, um, their security deposit, and then that's it. Or like our veterans programs, is three months worth of case management. Um, another program that we have provides six months worth of case management. Where building bridges really provides that long-term support, where we visit people usually on a weekly basis. We'll stop by their house and see how they're doing. They also have some direct assistance. Pardon? Don't they have direct assistance in building bridges? Yes. Like a limited amount. Yeah. 
direct assistance, meaning funding, that you can provide um, the participant with financial assistance. Yeah. They do have some funding. So the CAC does that? Yes. Oh, okay. But again, I, I want to be clear about this, and it's a really good question, Dave. We don't do it alone. I mean, a lot of services we can't provide. There's not enough money to serve everybody. Um, as I mentioned last year, um, we had about 20,000 people who sought service from us. About 3,500 were case managed through these programs. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's a 16,000 person gap of people who we, we provided services to. Right? They received food, shelter, or clothing, but they weren't case managed. So it, it, to, to be able to really spend time with folks and walk them through a plan to move them into the middle class is critical. But thanks for the question. It's a great question. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry. If I, I talk in acronyms, please. Does your question get answered? Yeah. Um, Family assistance um, and supportive housing. Again, uh, there's probably some jargon in here. Homeless prevention. Okay. Um, homelessness prevention. Trying to keep people. They'll come to us. I just got evicted. I've got five days. Could you please help me? Um, rapid rehousing. Um, again, it speaks for itself, moving them into, into, into housing. Uh, um, phone assistance, um, you know, getting, trying to get people um, either, you know, they used to have be the Obama phones, the flip phones, or we can provide them with some support in terms of um, access to a telephone, a hard line, or a flip phone, or um, even computer access in their home. Yeah, please. Um, you've spoken a lot about homeless, homeless assistance, case management. What do you think the biggest barrier is to really addressing or ending homelessness? Wages. I'm sorry? Wages. 80% of people in poverty, I mean, 80% of people in poverty work. Okay? Now, the myth is, of course, People who are in poverty never work. Nothing can be further from the truth. Eighty percent of people, and that's a phenomenal statistic when you think about it, eighty percent of poor people work. And the consistent problem that we see is they just don't make enough money, right, to, 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 to get decent and affordable housing. Let me give you an example. I'm the executive director of CAC. I make a pretty good wage. I had no problem finding housing in Madison. Yet we've got a housing shortage. Is it a housing shortage or is it a wage shortage? See what I'm saying? I mean, and, and that's part of the problem. I know I can't live on 750 now, you know, and most people can't. Okay, thank you. And, and um, another um, concern, as you, you undoubtedly know, we have had a huge number of changes at the state level yeah. in our tenant law, presumably you need to keep up to date with this in order to effectively um, answer questions and help people. How do you keep up with that? Well, you always always try to keep up with the legislative. You get the get the briefings. We get the briefings from several associations that we belong to, particularly WISCAP is a big one, the Wisconsin Community Action Program. And so, who on your staff? I mean, you've got somebody that that oversees that or coordinates that and then does training of the rest of your staff or well, how do you approach that? We go to training I mean, we train our staff and particularly um, um, various service providers who we send them to. WISCAP being one of them, TRC being one of them. There's several who we send staff to to try to keep them up to date. But you're right, they're coming really fast and furious right now. So you go to TRC for training sure. and WIS WISCAP? I'm sorry, what's 
with the Wisconsin Community Action Program. Okay. Um, what we are is, is what's called a Community Action Program. Okay, I mean, our title's a little bit different, but we're Community Action Program. There's 11 of them in the state, mm -hmm. and they have a statewide association. Okay, yeah. right. They're also Thank housed you. right here in Madison. So. Okay, right. thank you. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Could you just walk us through what you do for housing counseling? Just your process of, you know. General housing counseling? Yeah, general housing counseling. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. So, um, absolutely. I'll just give you a few different examples. So, um, like homeless prevention, for instance, is also known in our world as eviction prevention. When somebody's facing an eviction, um, we've, we have a couple different services, but basically we would first try to see if we can mediate with the landlord, what's going on, talk to that landlord. And then if it comes down to a non-payment of rent, then we would, if that person was eligible for the funding based on their income, we would enroll them in our eviction pre prevention drawing which happens once a month. Um, a rapid rehousing person. Rapid rehousing is basically when a person is homeless, um, getting them into housing as quickly as possible using security deposit money and first month's rent money. That's generally what a rapid rehousing program um, consists of. So if we, um, have you heard of the SPDAT, the process in which a person gets enrolled on please, a Please, please explain Prioritization <laughs> list. I will. I absolutely will. Um, so the, the SPDAT is um, an assessment tool used to determine how vulnerable a person in our community is. It's um, a HUD preferred tool. Basically, HUD, HUD would like us to use that to assess people to get them onto the the prioritization list. The prioritization list sort of consists of two spectrums. If you score lower on that vulnerability index, you would then qualify. Um, if you score, I believe, between four and eight, you qualify for rapid rehousing. So that is that short-term case management and then also those funds to, to be able to enter into a, a home or an apartment. Um, so if we were going to counsel a person who needed rapid rehousing, um, you know, we would definitely look short-term at just getting them back on their feet. It's not really a long-term program where you would go through, like, two or three years of maybe, like, career counseling and helping them to get resumes and helping them to maybe um, obtain, like, disability payments from, from Social Security or things like that. Um, as far – is this answering your question? Might be, okay, okay. Of the – Sure, that's a little bit that's different. That's okay, we can, this, we, we, yeah. we can jump. Sure. I mean, just okay. just as a note, the last sheet has... I have those, this, if anybody doesn't have one. I think it's... Don't you walk people through that, and I'll cue this up here. I mean, not that you want to go through that whole thing, now. Yeah, just for... It's much more detailed. Uh, sure. Did, um, did your other question get answered? Um... I just don't want to leave you hanging. I, I definitely will speak to this. I just want to make sure that you got what you needed, or I can go back and we can. Um, so yeah, just to be clear, so um, you do just short-term getting people into rapid rehousing, and those are only people who are currently homeless or at risk of homelessness, at high risk of homelessness. I mean, in theory, a, a person who is receiving rapid rehousing would have been homeless or been evicted at least. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, 
it, we would try. So eviction prevention would be the first step. Mm -hmm. Then if that didn't work out for that person, then you know we would turn most likely to rapid rehousing. And then if that wasn't a, sufficient enough for that person, then we would look at that person going to permanent supportive housing, which was the next one down, I think, on that list. Yeah. Um, and we also have permanent supportive housing. And just to be clear, currently CAC has rapid rehousing funds, but we subcontract those funds to Tenant Resource Center and to the road home. So we administer those funds, but we don't actually administer the program, if that makes sense. I see. Yeah. So what if someone is just generally having problems with their landlords? Do Will you, like, help them go to small claims court or, or whatever they need to do to... Good question. Yeah. Um, we do not attend small claims court for mediation. However, we will do initial mediation. That usually happens through our housing resource desk, um, which is now over at the job center at Aberg. Um, we do a lot more of that. The coordinated intake could theoretically do that, but we try to do court, keep coordinated intake focused on information and referrals and then have mm -hmm. the housing resource desk do um, basic tenant landlord rights and also initial mediation, but we would not go to court with that person if that's where it got to in there. Okay. Everything get, I'm sorry. Yeah. They, they get referred. You know, they get referred to the partner agencies who can most help them. We're not lawyers. Right. We, we don't have that capacity, nor do we want to pretend to have that capacity. So could you tell us about the eviction prevention lottery? Like how how much is in it how many people actually win the lottery and um, <laughs> how many people don't <laughs> off the top of my head i want to say there's somewhere between like 23 and 30,000 um i'd have to see my budget a month it's, or a year? no a year sorry a year? in a month in any given month um it depends on how how much people really ask for our, Kind of, but we, I would say in any given month, about four to five people actually receive eviction prevention funds out of easily a hundred that apply. And it's literally drawing their names out Absolutely. of Absolutely. We enter them, and it's, well, it's not literally drawing yeah, names but, out of a yeah. hat, but yes, it's yeah. a random drawing. We have um, a spreadsheet that each person who qualified gets loaded onto that spreadsheet, and then we have a little program that, like, mixes all of the numbers up and then randomly selects five people and then it it could be that it's selected let's say six people but then you go to those six people and maybe five of those six people actually qualified mm -hmm. based on you know the initial information they gave you might not be totally accurate and when they actually win the drawing win the drawing um then you kind of go through and make sure you're crossing all your t's and dotting all your i's and you have all their eligibility proven so maybe the first five people that won aren't technically the five people who got that funding. That and that happens every month? Yes. Yep. And, and uh, until the funds run out, but they should theoretically go 12 months a year. It could be like that last month, depending, because everybody's um, eviction prevention amount that they need isn't the same. Mm -hmm. Some people owe their landlord $700, some people owe their landlord $1,200. So we have the fund. We give it out based on you know, those people that win, what their need is. So towards the very end, we could theoretically have to stop the drawing like maybe that last month if we've given out. And what's the source of those funds? Like where is that? 
Council. There's a combination of funds. There's, yeah, that's uh, true. I, I believe there's ETH funds in there, and there is um, CSBG. CSBG is our foundational funding, community services block grant. Not community development block grant, mm -hmm. community services block grant that we use to fund. Okay. And again, it's a small pot. You know, the, yeah. the needs just way outstrip the resources. Mm -hmm. Does that answer? Um, yes, we do. And what would you say the breakdown is on that? Um, as far as coordinated intake is, is concerned, at the Stoughton Road location, it's almost all by phone. I would say 95% phone calls and 5% walk-ins. Our walk-in rate is fairly low. Um, but the housing resource desk that we have at Aberg, I would say is almost the opposite. Majority walk-ins and very few phone calls. And do you think that's because of the location of these, or why do you think that's I would say that? yes. The housing resource desk is located in the job center at Aver, so people are already walking in there, and they can, I'm sure you know, receive a whole host of services, W-2s in there. Um, uh, what job the services. Job services are in there. Um, they can, if they're homeless, they can receive their mail there. So I think people are just walking in, and then when they go, they have it kind of planned out that they can see a whole bunch of people for all different services, so they're just kind of already there. Whereas at CAC, I think they call us, and a lot of it can just be taken care of over the phone. They use this 1-800 um, number, and, and if they choose to seek the coordinated intake, they, they wouldn't need to walk in. I mean, almost any information or referral can be given over the phone. And um, on the calls, um, how do you, how many of them then um, require additional um, service, communication, and how many can be taken care of essentially with that single call? Um, I think maybe if you look at that packet, are those numbers? If you look at program objectives and data, what page is that? There are page numbers. Oh, well, I can tell you. What happens when someone calls? Oh, I found it. Um, it's page 14. Yeah, yeah, there aren't page numbers on this either, but I found it. <laughs> um, so if you look, information and referral obviously is what we do the most of. Um, just and again, that is definitely knowing the community, knowing the resources, being able to assess that caller's situation and send them to the right place is a huge part of what we do. Oftentimes, CAC isn't the yeah. only answer. There are other agencies that can. Sorry, I'm trying to see here. There are other agencies who who could better serve that person than us, or who simply have the funding to serve. So a lot of what we do is is referral in that department. Um, but we also in that department refer to our ourselves for um, case management and again eviction prevention and we refer internally for whatever services we can provide. And so the 821 or the 2200 are you saying that those um, essentially are one call and done? Is I would that what believe you're so. I mean there's a chance that we they wanted two services when they called like maybe they were facing eviction but also wanted to know where they could access the closest food pantry to their house. So we would count that as an, um, an information and referral and then also as a sign up for eviction prevention. Okay, and if they then are signed up for eviction prevention, 
would you make arrangements to get together with them then, or how does that? Yeah, for revision prevention, we, we would have to do an intake. So mm -hmm. yes, we. I, it, in the beginning, the eviction prevention intake can be done over the phone, um, but eventually they would have to come in if they qualified to provide us with, um, if they won, they would have to come in and provide us with some documentation to prove their eligibility. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Sure. So this is the form that we're going to talk about next. Is that on the slide? Or no. No, okay. uh, I don't remember. It's fine. I can speak about it. So this, if you're looking um, towards the back of your packet, this is the 1-800 housing resource line. Excuse me, 1855 um, housing resource line. So basically, um, oh, how do I go back? I just kind of wanted to tie it in a little bit to the coordinated intake slide and what this one, what is coordinated intake. So a couple of years back, the community got together, the people, the folks who are working on homeless issues, um, got together and it was decided that some sort of coordinated intake method should be utilized in order to better serve um, the folks that are experiencing these issues with homelessness and, and the folks that are at risk. And so as a community, Madison, Dane County decided um, that they would rather do the coordinated intake approach versus the centralized intake approach. So if, if you read, the centralized approach is where you call in one number and when you call that number, that operator or that agency worker can assign you directly to a bed. Um, our agencies that have beds, that have space available, didn't want to kind of give up the control of, of who was assigned to their beds. They wanted to be able to know who they were going to work with every night. So what the community and the group of agencies chose was the coordinated intake style, which is the one line, the one number that you can call, and then once you access that number, you have um, seven different options that you can choose from when you are facing homelessness or, or are literally homeless. So number one, um, option number one, when you call the line, you have the option to hear all of the information in English, Spanish, or Hmong. Um, each sort of definition that kind of disseminates down here, all of these things can be heard in English, Spanish, or Hmong. So um, assuming you, you choose English because I don't speak those other languages, number one is coordinated intake. And that takes you, if you choose option one when you call this line, that takes you directly to the agency workers at Community Action Coalition. Um, their main, um, like I said, their main job is information referrals, but they also can sign you up for financial assistance, um, help you identify housing options. If you call coordinated intake and you are, again, experiencing homelessness, you can do with SPDAT, our coordinated intake people would most likely suggest to you if you were a participant calling and had not had a SPDAT done before that you would do that in order to get you on the list and to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, that also, once that SPDAT is done, it guarantees that that individual is in the um, countywide database that we use, which is HMIS or Service Point. Um, one, go ahead, you can I mean, what are you collecting and how long does that take sure. to get all those answers? Um, we ask this SPDAT, again, is used by a, a vast majority of agencies in, in Madison and Dane County. It asks questions to determine vulnerabilities. So things like, are, you know, are you using drugs? Are you using alcohol? Um, have you 
experienced violence while you were homeless, for instance, um, like were you attacked while you were sleeping on the street? Do you believe that your homelessness is a result of um, previous trauma that you experienced in your life? Um, they ask a few health questions. Um, they sort of in a roundabout way discuss, you know, do you have AIDS um, or HIV? They just sort of, it, it really tries to pinpoint that person's risk factor. So any questions or like risky behavior, things along the lines of like, are you trading things for drugs or alcohol? You know, are, are you using sex to get what you need as far as drugs? And sort of determines how vulnerable a person is. Um, I would think that that uh, responding readily and honestly to those questions would require a great deal of trust. Absolutely. Um, do you find that um, people have that level of trust, particularly over the phone, to provide that information, or is it more readily provided in person, or is there no difference? It, ju it just seems like that would be. There is a point at which. Oh, no, the observation questions are gone. I mean, yes, you can do it over the phone. We always try to explain to people up front before we even start asking the questions that this isn't a housing application. Your truthfulness on these questions will not prevent you from being housed. We are just trying to assess how, how urgent your housing situation is. Um, but you can't, you also, it's very clear that you're not to lead a person. You don't want to explain to them, like, hey, if you answer yes to this, you're going to score higher, and then you're going to get housing, you know. So it is a very fine line. Um, we certainly, we, CAC does not have outreach workers, but there are outreach workers who work with these folks who give these fidets on a regular basis to the people that they know. And I definitely think that's the best method, mm -hmm. but we would never get everybody assessed using only that method you just you have to go with you know the methods that are are efficient and people generally um, when you make it clear you know this this isn't going to prevent your housing just just be honest it's in your best interest to be honest so we can get an accurate depiction of where you're at at this point in time I've had fairly decent responses and you know I've also been sitting face to face and given out these fidats and have people who appear to be fairly clearly intoxicated who tell me they're not. And I will say, you know, please make sure that you're giving me honest answers because it's really important that you're as honest as possible. And they'll say, I'm not. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I, for the most part, I think I've kind of covered option one. Option number two will connect you um, with the housing resource desk over at the job center. They can generally do anything that coordinated intake does, but they are more housing, housing navigation centric. So they can, they're really um, equipped to help people fill out applications, to talk to landlords, to do some of that basic mediation, to discuss tenant rights, landlord tenant rights. Um, that's their focus. However, they can still provide information and referrals to any of the places that our, our regular coordinated intake desk would do. Number three, um, we'll take you directly to the Salvation Army, Army Family Shelter. Um, the family shelter, I was actually just there this morning. It is full. I believe the Salvation Army has, I think she said around 90, around 90 beds. 
Um, so anyway, when you when you choose option three, you you go straight to Salvation Army. And again, just so everybody is clear, when you call and you don't choose option one or two, which would be a CAC connected service, we don't know who. I mean, we can look at a number that called in and, and opted out, but we don't know who called and like accessed option three or option seven. Like once they take an option to access an outside service. That's sort of the last that CAC sees of them at that point. So I just want to make that clear with everyone. We don't track the person once they press three. We wouldn't follow up and be like, hey, did you call Salvation Army? How did that go? So three takes you to the Salvation Army Family Shelter. Four takes you to Salvation Army Single Women's Shelter. Um, five takes you to Porchlight Single Men's Shelter. Six takes you to Days Domestic Abuse. Um, you just get directly connected to them. And then seven is the added option. There used to be only six. So seven is now Briar Patch, which is the extra option. Last year there were only six in 2015. The, the added option was the Housing Resource Desk, but that got two, and Briar Patch got moved to number seven. So is there any questions on this portion of it? Or on anything I've talked about already? Do you want me to go back to clothing, or do you still want to go? Can you take that, or do you want to? It doesn't matter. Where, I don't know where you left off. Right? I think here. Um, as I mentioned, we're a food bank. We deliver food to approximately 70 locations across the three counties. Um, and we provide that food absolutely free of charge to people. So we're really heavily dependent upon volunteers in order to do that. Okay. Where others may charge some money to deliver food, we don't. But that means we need volunteers to sort the food and to, to donate the food. Um, and that's, that's really important to us. Um, the next thing is our clothing center, which we also give away the clothes for free. Anyone who comes in um, gets a free bags, bag of clothes once per month for as many people in their family. So if someone has five in their family, they get five bags of clothes. And then annually we do a coat drive um, where we give away free coats. And last year... I think the first day was 600 coats, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, we came in on just we came in just under 4,000 coats that were distributed for this year's coats for kids. So that was nearly double of the amount of coats that we gave out in 2014. Um, we partner with Clinky Cleaners and Channel 3, and Clinky does the initial collection slash cleaning, and then they hand them to us for distribution. So this by far, out, we out-distributed ourselves this year, uh, above and beyond. So we were pretty happy about that, actually. Well, I think the next, the next few slides really talk about um, coordinated intake. We put um, you know, several slides in here, and there was a lot of good questions on um, um, what's happening with coordinated intake. And that's important for you as alders because the city funds us approximately $136,000 annually to provide that service, and it's linked up with what we're doing with housing and with case management and the help desk. So I'm going to talk about looking ahead. Sure. Did you have any other? Does anyone have any other questions before I um, talk about looking ahead in 2016? Okay. Um, is 02016 is sort of the end, ending homelessness initiative that Madison took on. Um, I believe the mayor sort of signed us up for this. So CAC is heavily involved in 02016. Um, right now we have the 02016 is a collaborative effort. It's not just CAC. It's all of the agencies in the community that are working to end homelessness. 
are really getting together under this initiative and figuring out, figuring out ways that our agencies can collaborate to end this problem. So right now where we have gotten to is that prioritization list has its filled now. There's lots of people on it. And starting, I believe, next week, um, we're going to look at the top five to ten people that are on that list and as agencies we're going to come together with people who have um, the beds available for these particular people and um, for the participants and then also the case management staff that's working with them so we're going to have these meetings called by name list and it is again to look at individuals and sort of discuss them and um, talk about whose program they would be the best fit for and then get them off of that list and into that program. So that, that's really exciting. That's kind of the, the apex of where we've been trying to get to for a long, long time is to get this list, to get everybody to sit down together and um, actually get these people housed, not just have them on the list, but fit them in where they will be best suited and where they're most likely to be successful and then not experience homelessness again after that. Yes? So you're talking about Have you counted like the families who are living in cars or families who are doubling and tripling up? Are, are those people counted on the list? Yes. <laughs> it, and this is definitely, um, when families are doubled up, when somebody is staying with a friend, with a relative, you know, with somebody they know, they're not as homeless as a person on the street. Even though they don't have a home of their own, the system often looks at it because of funding as though they were in shelter, so they wouldn't be the most vulnerable person. So oftentimes those doubled up people are on the list, they're lower on the list, more likely to be appropriate for rapid rehousing because at the time of that spadat, they weren't sleeping on the streets or they weren't sleeping in shelter. Therefore, they scored a little bit lower. So yes, they're counted. Yes, they're on the list. So are families. Um, at CAC, we have a permanent supportive housing program um, that has availability right now, which we will be going to the by name list meeting. And we have three units available for families, two bedrooms. So the families are definitely addressed in this issue for sure. It's just that those permanent supportive housing programs serve the higher end of, of the need. The more vulnerable people, most vulnerable people, are really the, the people that are going to, going to be served first. I want to be respectful of everyone's time, and we're just about done. So um, thank you to all of you. If you have any um, questions, we do a once-a-month event where we just open up our doors and have people come in. We have program participants and walk people through. So if it's okay, I'll send you out a link to those events, and if you wish, you're more than welcome to sign up for one. I promise it's a good time. You'll be in and out in an hour. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay, let me get this. Okay.